Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Borg Warner. Feel good about driving. Bridgestone. Your journey. Our passion. Dow Automotive Systems. Improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. And by Hyundai. New thinking, new possibilities. Hello and welcome to the TGIF edition of AutoLine Daily. Ford reported its first quarter earnings and we expected them to be down, but they came in worse than expected. Ford sold close to 1.6 million vehicles worldwide, up 6%, and yet its revenue barely budged at all, up only a fraction of a percent to about $36 billion. And that's its total revenue, including its financial operations. If you just look at its revenue from selling vehicles, it did not move at all. And that's very odd. Ford's pre-tax profits dropped sharply, down 35% to $1.3 billion. And its net profits dropped a similar 38% to just under a billion dollars. Ford blames the drops on higher warranty and recall costs and on currency exchange problems in South America. And no doubt that's true. But that does not explain why the company's revenue stalled out despite a 6% increase in sales. This is a red flag that, which shows the company is still overly dependent on the U.S. market to power its economic engine. And speaking of sales, we accurately predicted that March sales in the U.S. would increase due to the warming weather. And now TrueCar is forecasting that April will be almost as strong. It says light vehicle sales will reach nearly 1.4 million units and the SAR will hit 16.2 million, which are only a little bit behind March. Chukar expects the strong numbers because the Asian automakers have turned up the incentives dial this month. And speaking of incentives, when it comes to moving metal in the showrooms, automakers in the American market still rely heavily on sales incentives. This despite the fact that all excess capacity was removed with all kinds of plant closings during the Great Recession. CNW Marketing just did a fascinating deep dive into all the incentives that automakers are offering, and they're all doing it. CNW found that the average vehicle sold last month cost just over $32,000, and the average discount was about $3,800, with $3,150 of that offered up by the car companies and the rest coming from dealers. On average, the discount comes to nearly 12%. Porsche has the lowest discount, only 3.4%, while Jeep has the highest at 14.7%. Quick, can you name the top 10 car companies in the world? We didn't think so. Most people can't, and even the experts in the industry probably won't get the ranking right. So we compiled this list based on how many vehicles these automakers sold last year. Toyota tops the list and is the first automaker in the world to sell more than 10 million vehicles in a year though that is based on the company's fiscal year. Next up is the Volkswagen Group, followed closely by General Motors. Nissan Renault is in fourth place, followed closely by Hyundai Kia and then Ford. Fiat Chrysler are just ahead of Honda, while Daimler and BMW round out the top 10. Of course, this is based on the number of vehicles sold. Next week, we'll rank them by revenue and then by profit. We think you'll be stunned by the results. Tesla is receiving some support in its fight to sell cars directly to customers. Senior officials at the Federal Trade Commission published a blog post that says forcing customers to purchase cars directly from dealers is bad policy. They point out that of the 15 million cars sold in the U.S. in 2013, 
Tesla sold just 22,000 of them and therefore doesn't represent a competitive threat to dealers. The Post also points out that more and more people are using the internet to shop and car buyers should be able to purchase a new vehicle in the same manner. Cleaning a dirty car can be a real pain in the butt. However, Nissan is testing some new technology that may eliminate the need for car washes altogether. The automaker applied a new paint to a note that can repel rain, oil, mud, dirt, and is testing it in Europe over the next several months. And by the looks of the video, it seems to work pretty well. The company says it doesn't have plans to offer the paint as a standard feature, but is considering it as an aftermarket option in the future. Coming up next, a debate about right to work. Dow Automotive Systems, driving solutions in automotive, commercial transportation, and aftermarket with innovative products like Betamate structural adhesives. Lighter, stronger, safer. DowBetamate.com. On Autoline this week, our weekly TV show, we take an inside look at the early days of the UAW. That's because our guest is Bob Morris, the author of the book Built in Detroit, which looks at the beginning days of the union. However, the topic sparked several other debates, including this one about right-to-work laws. One of the exciting developments I think that's happened in the state, and this is very much a part of the, the Southern culture that you talk about, is the advent of the right-to-work movement. And, and I think with the right-to-work movement, I mean, for a long time since I've been covering politics, before I was a before I, I joined this special uh, class of auto reviewers, but in covering politics, the, the, uh, the UAW had become a political arm of the Democratic Party and, and, was, and, and, and was feeding money to the Democratic Party. And there was a lot of members who, who felt alienated by that. And I think with the right to work movement, I think it's gonna refocus unions on the worker that we, we have to make sure that the workers will, are happy. I don't yeah. think it will, not in the case of the UAW. And the reason I say that is, the UAW is already in, I want to say, six or seven right-to-work states, mm -hmm. two of which have, just in the last few years, flipped to right-to-work. Right. And the union has lost a negligible number of members. And th there's a very interesting thing here that there's a, a true difference between blue-collar unions and white-collar unions. And the blue-collar people, brothers and sisters, stick with their union. The white-collar, not so much. Well, I think there's another because issue. The white-collar bleed is... I, I want to hear Bob about this because we're getting down to the very end. Yeah. Uh, well, I think there's another issue, and it's really important, and especially for people at this table. Uh, what did we go through in the 60s, 70s, and even 80s? Poor production, poor quality. Quality. Well, when you've got workers who are maybe at odds with each other, about uh, dealing with the, uh, uh, collecting union dues, whatever the case might, joining the union. That is not good for the auto industry. And I think that's a potential problem. I think the big three, at least some people there, they've realized that and they kind of, I think they kind of wish they took a little stronger role on that issue uh, back a couple of years ago. The other thing I think that's really important, we talk about right to work. People, it sounds good. But you know, what's not talked about is that, all right, you don't want to be a member of the union? Fine, don't be a member. But yet, under federal law, if I'm a union and I negotiate a contract for my union members, the non-union members get all the same benefits. Is that fair? I don't think so. Also joining John for that discussion is Henry Payne from the Detroit News and Mark Phelan from the Detroit Free Press. As always, you can watch that entire show right now on our website, autoline.tv. 
But that wraps up today's and this week's episodes. Thanks for watching and have a great weekend. Wards is the industry leader for news, data, and analysis. That's why companies across the globe subscribe to our premium service, maybe even your own. Log in for subscriber access now. Check your company's intranet for details and rely on wardsauto.com to keep you informed.